hello everyone this is caitlin and this is jessica and this is calling all spirits welcome to our special paranormal day episode number two i know we've been doing this for more than a year but it seems weird that we're doing two of these now like a year apart oh i know i love how it's like our new annual thing this is exciting and and especially since it's not our stories this year it's listener stories Yes, this time we actually had some people like over the course of the last few months write in some of their stories and we get to read them for you today. Oh, and they are really good. I'm I'm super excited about all of these. Same. And um and I love we're doing it over coffee this morning. We're starting our day. We are. This is a beautiful <laughs> start to a Sunday morning. Talking about ghosts. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, not that this will surprise any of you, but like, hi, ideal way to start the day. (laughs) I love it. Well, do we want to dive right in? I think we should just get to it because they listen to our stories all the time. Let's (laughs) listen. Let's let them listen to their own stories. So our first story comes from Grace, who is a longtime listener, and she is on our Patreon and she is amazing. Love the dialogue between and all the stories she sends us. So here are two of them that she submitted. So I am reading them as she wrote them. So here we go. I think we all have our oh yikes moment. The moment where mediums and spiritualism went from something that vaguely interested us, either because of a slightly morbid temperament, interest in the occult, or more likely some combination of the two, to something that became not only possible, but more than probable based on the evidence in front of us. My moment happened in London with an underwhelming looking guy in a cheap brown suit. I dis- <laughs> I know. I discovered spiritualism completely by chance. I was a Victorian lip freak in my teenage years, and because I'm also as gay as the day is long, I soon discovered Sarah Waters. Spiritualism was a central theme in her novel Affinity, and the Spiritualist Association of Great Britain, or SAGB, got a mention. So being extra, I did some Googling and was very excited to find that it was a real place. The first time I went along, I got some arguably correct but pretty vague stuff about my grandmother, but I decided to go again anyway and took my mom with me. At that time, the SAGB had given up their previous headquarters in Belgravia due to the upkeep costs and hadn't yet secured their current location in Battersea. So they had temporarily moved to an office suite a short walk from Victoria Station, complete with magnolia everything, a stainless steel lift, and polyester carpet tiles. But we paid our three pounds and took our seats for one of their daily drop-in demonstrations. The medium looked very at home with his 1970s-style glasses and brown suit. He looked more like he was going to sell you insurance than connect you with the spirit world. (laughs) Can I just pause and say I love her writing? It is so brilliant. Right? Her descriptors are so gorgeous. They are fantastic. Love it. I just am so sorry I do not have the brilliant British accent to go with this, but... It's a Texan reading it. One one day we'll get like a voicemail set up or something and people can just tell their own stories. Yes. yes. Now, partway through the demonstration, the medium came to my mom in the front row. He asked if her mother was in spirit and she said yes. He said that he had an older lady with him, that she had been dead for about five years, had short gray hair and liked wearing colorful trousers, and she had something that went wrong with her foot. My nan had been dead about 15 years at that point, dyed her hair, always wore skirts, and died of the flu. 
So we were sitting there in the front row giving him no after no. After a while, he paused and then said, hang on, I've got a name, Iris. I swear our jaws hit the floor. Iris was our neighbor in our previous home where we had lived when I was very young, and she had died about five years ago before she had some complications following a foot operation. I know. She and my mom were very close, and the description fit her perfectly. He said that she was around us, and she would move something at home to say hello and show us that she was still there. I was studying English Lit with creative writing at university. Okay, well, that makes sense. <laughs> I should have put you in. <laughs> Suddenly, the word pictures make absolutely perfect sense. It's, and I had read this before, but you know what? It's finally, it all clicks. Okay, this is why it's brilliant. So I'll start that. I was studying English Lit with creative writing at university at the time, and my mom is a big reader too, and we spent a lot of time when I was home on breaks talking about what we'd been reading. We had quite a long conversation one day just before our trip about two books in particular, To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf and Wild Boy by Jill Dawson. A few days after our trip to the SAGB, I went into my room to see that Wild Boy had been pulled out a couple of inches from the shelf. It wasn't really like my mom to go into my room and move things without asking as we were all pretty respectful of each other's space. But I didn't really think much of it, just put it back and forgot about it until a couple of days later. Mom asked me what I thought of to the lighthouse. She said that I could borrow it if I thought it looked good. I blinked at her totally blank. She said she saw it had been pulled out a couple of inches on the shelf, so she thought I had been looking at it. Dun, dun, dun. I told her that I hadn't moved it and asked if she had moved Wild Boy. She said that she hadn't. And then we remembered what the medium had said. It was such a small thing, but its significance to us was huge. It was proof that Iris was still around, still watching over us. And after that, I was hooked and went down to the SAGB every chance I got. This was a good 10 years or so ago now, but Iris still drops in to say hello to me sometimes now that I'm developing as a medium myself. And a toy dog that she gave me that had been given to her by her mother sits prominently on top of the bookshelf in my office. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, I love that. I do, too. I do, too. Now, she sent a short second story that I'll read, but um, I love that story. It's so heartwarming and amazing. Okay. Yes, for everyone who's absolutely terrified of ever having any contact with the afterlife, like... These are the stories that make us all warm and fuzzy inside. They're not all scary or disconcerting and happen at two in the morning. Like some of them are nice and pleasant. Absolutely. I, I would I would venture to guess probably 98, per, 98, 99% of the time. It's all good. Or they're just wanting to get your attention. And sometimes that comes off as scary. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Grace's second story. Now, I love this one. Grace adds a little note, um, but I thought it was really cute because it kind of talks about the family. She says, also because I mentioned this to my mom and realized I'd forgotten a key part when we were telling the story to my dad, who has definitely heard all our stories at least a thousand times, but is very patient with us. <laughs> I just thought that was so cute. We definitely appreciate people like your dad because we all have them in our lives and we're very grateful for them. We are. I was thinking our husbands could and our families can very much relate to that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, so here's her story. 
For a while before I moved out, Mum and I were attending a spiritualist church together not far from my hometown, and we had the opportunity to attend a transfiguration night. I know, so cool. The medium was in a cabinet at the front, and we had a red light blackout curtains the whole nine yards. Wow. I know. Throughout the demonstration, ectoplasm gathered. I know. Caitlin's favorite. (laughs) Throughout the demonstration, ectoplasm gathered around his face and formed features over the top of the medium's features. And this is, and she wrote, this is the part she forgot. At several points, hands materialized around the medium too. He was a very big man, easily six foot, but the hands were different sizes, including at one point a very small child's hands. You could see the medium's hands at the same time, so it wasn't just him waving his arms about and the child's hands were teeny tiny. Easily one of the most amazing, creepiest, logic-defying things I have seen in the 10 or so years I've been attending demonstrations. Towards the end of the demonstration, the medium came to my mom, and she wrote, she gets all the fun, <laughs> which I love. It seems like it, I yeah. Know. And it looked, okay, so towards the end of the demonstration, the medium came to my mom, and it looked like eyes opened over the top of the mediums. They were translucent, and you could see the medium's eyes were closed behind the apparition, and it looked like he had curly hair. He said that he was a young man, and he had known my mother, but he drowned. Years ago, before my parents got married, my mom worked at a bookshop on a university campus, and a student kept asking her out, but she turned him down. Finally, just before the summer break, she said yes, she'd go on a date with him when he gets back in September. At the start of term, his friend came to find my mom and told her that the boy had drowned while on holiday, so they never got their date. She said that the medium looked like him with the eyes and the curly hair. Wow. I know it's an ectoplasm story and it and it sounds like a very legit ectoplasm and a real right? ectoplasm story. Like we hardly ever hear anything about ectoplasm stories post 1940s. I know. I mean this gosh, now I'm like okay, I need dry grace cuz I have so like many questions and I would love to know who like the medium was. Like cuz someone that's still doing ectoplasm Right? And this is relatively modern, like, yeah. comparatively speaking. So, I mean, dude, I um, I mean, she does respond quite readily on Patreon. Yeah. I actually, when I was pulling her mom's story from, because uh, we tell her mom's story in a little while, I couldn't find it in Gmail or on Patreon, so I messaged her real quick, and she responded in, like, ten minutes. So, like, you can absolutely get answers from Miss Grace, no question. Yes, because I'm just, I'm honestly, the big thing I'm curious about, curious about is the age of the medium. Because is this someone older that kind of is from that, that old school generation who used to do this a lot more frequently? Or is this somebody that's new? That's true, because that's how your mentor was. Um, yeah. She was from the older generation who still did a lot of the materialist. Yes. Um, yeah. Cause- so... It's a good question. All we know is that he was six foot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, because she started. Oh, God. And I love her. Bless her. She's in spirit. So she may be, be like, that's not how old I was. But I mean, <laughs> um, but she started, I believe, in the 1950s. Because when when um, she passed, she was in her 80s. So that that does make me curious. Yeah. OK, yeah. I'm going to write Grace, because if it's somebody young that's doing this, that's pretty cool. 
am very... I mean, I'm already down to travel for any reason whatsoever. If we need to go to London, (laughs) so be it. Oh, so very cool. So Incidentally, if any of the rest of you want to subscribe to our Patreon to make that possible, <laughs> you can find us at Calling All Spirits on Patreon. That is true. Very true. Good plug. And so, oh, and my, thank you, thank you, thank you, Grace. Those stories were fabulous, and we so appreciate them. Yes. And thank you for adapting to American listeners and saying six foot instead of a couple meters, because we appreciate that. So our second story is from another listener named Tim, also a friend of the pod. Not a Patreon, though. Hint, hint. Um, (laughs) Just kidding. But he is on the East Coast. uh, And it'll become immediately apparent that he is also one of our veteran listeners. So thank you for your service, sir. Thank you. This was, I'm going to read it like Jess did the way he wrote it down. This was in 2015, and I had just left the Marines due to injuries sustained while deployed. My wife and I moved back to my hometown, a little area in the mountains of Virginia, where there's only about 400 people living. While back home, I was driving from the local McDonald's slash gas station while it was snowing and saw two people walking. The gas station is close to some houses and a lot of people walk here due to it being a poor town and not everyone can afford cars. I stopped and asked them if they wanted a ride and they both said yes. They got into my car and I asked them, so where do y'all live? Both replied, the yellow house at the end of the street. We started talking and casually I said, I used to live in the same house when I was a kid from 7 to 11 years old. At that time, the woman asked me, did you have anything weird happen to you in that house? And I replied, yes, actually. I'm pretty sure there's something wrong with it. I do not ever want to go back in there. They both looked at me with a pale ghost-like face and said, oh my God, we thought we were going crazy. Whoa. They began to explain that they would have things go missing. Shadows would walk around, and one time they heard laughter from the basement. <gasps> Yikes. I don't like that. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. The man said that he thought she was making it all up until he saw it himself today before they went walking. Well-timed. Yeah. <laughs> As they were leaving, all of the doors shut at the same time, and plates went flying off the shelves. No. No. Mm-mm. At this point, I'm very curious. I thought, okay, I never wanted to go back, but I can't pass this up. (laughs) My wife and I do dabble in some stuff with paranormal activity, so I exchanged numbers with them. And they texted me inviting my wife and I to the house to check it out. My wife, being the curious one, thought it would be great to see where I spent some of my childhood. And we went there, and as soon as we walked in, my wife got very ill. (gasps) She looked at me and said, you didn't tell me this place had bad energy. Oh my gosh. Yeesh. So we did our tour of the place, and as we walked, I explained what all happened to me and my brother when we were younger. Mm-hmm. But before we left, we saw this black figure at the end of the hallway just staring as if glaring. Mm-mm. I knew I rem- it remembered me because I could just feel the odd feeling of familiarity. Shortly after that, we left and have never heard from that couple again. The house burned down <gasps> a couple months later from some kind of freak accident that the cops couldn't explain. Oh my goodness. I mean, not Whoa. for nothing, but problem solved. Yeah. I mean, that is true, but that, oh, that, that, I literally have chill bumps. That creeps me yeah. out. That one, that one, yeah, no. Yeah. That, that's not a friendly spirit like Sweet Iris. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, flashback to me as a kid, because he's not done yet. Oh, my uh, gosh. My mother had just made enough money for us to move out of Section 8 housing and was looking for a big enough place for her, my brother, and I. The yellow house had just come up for rent and my mother got a tour set up for us to check it out. Mm -hmm. We went in midday and was looking around and I decided to check out what was going to be my room. I walked in and it was the first time my brother and I would have lots of room to play and I was really excited to check it out. 
As I'm about ready to leave, I hear some weird whisper from the closet. Okay, dude, come on. It's like every horror movie ever. This is not comfortable. Yes. Ah, okay. As I'm about to leave, I hear some weird whisper from the closet, and I didn't really pay attention. I got to the room door, and as I went to step outside the room, something grabbed both of my legs and dragged me into the closet. Poltergeist! I screamed. I did. Mm. Oh, my God. I I refer you to my comment about horror movies. Like, this is literally a horror movie come to life. I screamed and clawed my fingers into the hardwood flooring. I screamed so loud it alerted my mother and the landlord that they came running into my, the room as they opened the door. Something threw me back into the room. My mother thought I was playing and using my imagination and told me to stop goofing around. We left and I thought nothing of it until a week later when I find out we're moving into that same house and I told my mother I did not want to move. But it was already too late. As we moved in and settled down, I noticed my room... I noticed in my room, my fingernail marks in the wood. They went all the way to the inside wall of the closet as if I'd been pulled into the wall. Oh, I don't like this. After the first month, nothing at all happened and all seemed fine. And then it started. Things would go missing. My brother and I, my room would have toys moving at night as if someone was playing with them. I hate that. Toys that move on their own in the middle of the night is not comfortable. No. Uh, and it wasn't my brother, because uh, I slept on the bottom bunk and I would have known if he'd gotten up. At night, we would hear small footsteps as if a doll was walking around the house. <laughs> Caitlin's favorite! Uh. <laughs> Incidentally, Tim, when I find out I'm having nightmares, I am calling you. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be yelled at. Anyway, I say doll and not child because of the specific sounds it made. So it probably had like a weird hollow tapping oh, that God. a kid's foot wouldn't make. Oh, God. Um, we heard whispers from the basement and closet, naturally, at this point. <laughs> One particular day, my brother and I were going to the basement to get our bikes and some toys for outside. The stairs to the basement only had one side railing. That's pretty standard. Yeah. And there was a platform midway down that had like an eight foot drop on one side and the basement was entirely concrete. My brother was walking down and I was at the bottom. And at the moment he made it to the platform, I saw a dark figure appear and pushed him onto the concrete head first. <gasps> Oh my God. To this day, he's had a learning delay in speech pattern disability. Whatever happened there, I don't know what it was, but I know the people after us found a hidden room in the basement and was making meth and got arrest- arrested in a large drug bust. Oh, gosh. That house is just bad. Uh, yeah. Unsurprisingly, his final words are, that house will always haunt me and I will never forget the yellow house that tried to keep me. Oh, <laughs> what do you guys think it was? Horrifying. I think oh. it was horrifying, Tim. Thank you so much for asking. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, that last line, the house that tried to keep me. That just... Mm-mm. His fingernail marks went all the way to the wall of the closet like he went through. I think that's a good way of putting it. But also, double yikes, yikes again. <sighs> and oh, my God. I, I honest to goodness have no idea. Like, I honest to goodness have no idea. Just be... I, oh. I don't... It's... I mean, based on what we've read from both the hoax stories and the real stories that, or at least ones that haven't been proven to be hoaxes yet, sounds like a poltergeist. Yeah, basically, it does. It really does. And it's, God, I, oh, this is when I want to ask so many questions for like people that know more than I do, because like in my day-to-day mediumship, and you know this, we don't run into this. Like this is not, this is not the norm. This is not the if I ran into this on a daily basis, my boundaries and barriers would be up so hard they couldn't find me in 16 lifetimes. <laughs> well, exactly. 
exactly. And even in the historic places we worked that had spirits, it wasn't this. Like, this is a whole... I don't... Yeah, they'd leave handprints on the bed and move books and random stuff. They wouldn't try hauling us into the closets. No. Or whispering from... Although the basements are a little disconcerting in those houses, not yeah. gonna lie. <laughs> but nothing's ever pushed me onto the concrete, thank no. goodness. No, I mean, I had my hair tugged, but not in a violent way, more of just like, hey, like, turn it around, like a very... Yeah, same with, like, like the random skirt tugs with the long Victorian yeah. skirts. Like, oh yeah, what? Okay, I'm busy, but give me a minute, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, yeah, very gentle. Nothing like... Yeah, this is, I don't know what this is. I mean, well, we know it's, but I mean, this is. Yeah, what could have caused it? Like, I mean, I don't think anyone's figured out what causes poltergeist activity, have they? Not that I know of. I mean, unless it's just, well, now here, now I don't, I'm not saying this for Tim. I'm just saying for some poltergeist, because I don't think he did this because this is horrifying. But they have, there are people that believe, I guess we can't prove it by science yet, but that some poltergeist activity is caused by the living. Like that, yeah. Especially of, when people are hitting uh, puberty and stuff, yes. they've noticed is a big pattern. But yeah, yeah, since this started when you walked into the house the first time, my my money's on not being your fault for sure. Oh yeah, no, 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 because it doesn't sound like the same stuff. Like this is usually mm -hmm. when objects are moving or things like that. Not you're getting dragged into a closet. That's a whole. <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole nother ball game. But so just some poltergeist activity in houses, they, they do attribute it to possibly the living kind of doing, uh, not knowing they're doing it, but them yeah. doing it. So, but yeah, this isn't the same thing. This is, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just so, I guess why my brain is like, I don't know what to think because it's just not the norm. It's not what we normally deal with. It's all mm -mm. loving and happy and as many readings as I've seen and practiced and I've done you don't run into this kind of stuff often yeah and even if it's not supportive or embracing of you it's always just like that feeling of you know get out of my space mm -hmm. kind of like when you're in the same room as somebody who clearly doesn't like you and they want you to leave right. like it's the same kind of feeling and the same vibe right. but you're not actually being dragged in and out of rooms physically that's like, yikes that's the part that i'm just like everything else it's like you you hear some of that stuff happen. not that's not terrifying i'm not saying that it's terrifying no no for sure but you hear about those things happening but yeah the whole dragging into a closet all i can picture is that scene from poltergeist where she gets like sucked into the closet and the fact that he could see his fingernail marks later that yeah. that is mm, yes yeah yikes. no i'm kind of glad that's probably a good thing that house is no longer no longer around for other people to move into. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for terrifying us and giving us nightmares. And I will never look at <laughs> my closet the same way. <laughs> Again. But a great, I mean, that was a great spooky story. Like, that's. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, <clears throat> it is my turn now. <laughs> so <laughs> we have all been terrified. And this one is um creepy. But like, I thought this one was pretty creepy. But thank you, Tim, for <laughs> Perspective. You've brought us perfect perspective for the rest of the episode. Exactly. These are going to seem like rainbows and like happiness. <laughs> rainbows, unicorns, and nothing but sunshine. Exactly. Exactly. We may have should, should have saved Tim for last. <laughs> to end. Um, but this one's really, I love this. So this comes from Carol, who happens to be Grace's mom, which I just love that she wrote into us. So she also shared two stories. And I'm going to read them just like she wrote them. And I love she started off with, hi, Caitlin and Jessica. I'm really enjoying your show and finding it very interesting. I understand that you're looking for people's experiences of the paranormal for your upcoming show. 
My husband and I spent a holiday with my mother and two brothers in Shropshire in the late 1980s. Church Farm was a beautiful old double-fronted farmhouse dating from the 1700s. <gasps> I know. That at this time had been converted into two holiday lets. The ground floor of the house was intact and had remained unchanged for many years, with original features still in place, including a huge old family Bible, which stood on a stand in the dining room. I mean, I know. Like, how incredible. Upstairs, part of the house had been partitioned off with stud wallings to create a self-contained apartment that was accessed via a metal stairway that ran up the outside of the rear of the building. Next to the house was a church, and the graveyard was sited just outside the kitchen window. I know, a graveyard right next door. It's like our happy place. (laughs) Right? Like, is this still available? Can we go rent it for a few weeks? Exactly. Now, from the very first evening, the house was what I can only describe as busy. We would turn off the lights in the parts of the house that we weren't using, but every time we came out of the room we were in, we would find all the lights back on again. It became a bit of a joke between us. My eldest brother and my mother both had bedrooms upstairs and no experiences while sleeping there. My other brother had a room on the ground floor and had a very strong feeling that he was being watched. After two days, he decided to go home as the house made him feel so uncomfortable. My husband and I also had a room on the ground floor at the rear of the property. It was a strange room and had low brick arches along one wall, but the atmosphere was not unpleasant. At around 3 a.m., we were woken by the sound of a man whistling outside the window of gravel crunching underfoot and milk churns moving. There were cows in the field adjacent, and we wondered if the rear of the property was still in use as a working farm. Okay, so that makes sense. They're trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's logical. Yeah, these sounds woke us every morning at the same time. When we explored the rear of the property, it was overgrown and disused, and it was clear that this was not being used and that the farmhouse to which the adjacent fields belonged was several miles further up the road. So now they've got somebody that's whistling outside their window at the same time every day. (laughs) Okay. I know. One evening at the end of our stay, I left the sitting room to go to the kitchen. The lights were on as usual, and something made me look up the staircase. Standing at the top was a woman in a long blue skirt and white blouse looking down at me. Her clothes looked Edwardian in style. Our eyes met. Then she turned and walked through the stud partitioned wall. I strongly Can felt- I say that she not only described what was Edwardian clothes, but she knows what Edwardian is. Thank you so much, Carol. We love you for that alone. We do. I had the exact same thought. Like she didn't say Victorian. <laughs> she knew it was Edwardian. I, I Yep, she even des- described the the long skirt and the shirt waist, and it was mwah, perfect. I know. Brilliant. I strongly felt that she wanted me to see her, that she waited for me, and when she was sure I had seen her, she walked through the wall. It was an incredible experience. So that's our first story. I know. I know. Now, this is her second story. The other experience I would like to tell you about was not so nice. We were on holiday in Devon, and we were staying at the inappropriately named Sunnyside Cottage. (laughs) I love it. Love it. Sunnyside Cottage had at one time been a row of working men's cottages that had been knocked into one. The downstairs was spacious, bright, relaxed, and comfortable. The night brought very different feelings to the bedroom we shared. 
On each night, I was woken by a feeling of oppression, of something very unpleasant that washed over me and left my skin cold, clammy, and sticky. I felt breath on my face, and the darkness of the room seemed so intense. This lasted a very short time, just long enough for whatever it was to pass through, except it did it night after night. Oh, creepy. I know. I don't freak out that easily, but this felt so unpleasant, so nasty that I was really scared. I told my husband about it, and I said I would wake him if it happened again. When it came back the next night and the next, I found that I was unable to wake my husband, and he is generally a very light sleeper. I still feel the fear when I think about that place. It didn't feel like a spirit. It felt like some dark, malignant entity that passed through that room every night. I've never experienced anything like it before or since, and I am grateful for that. Best wishes to you both for the show, Carol. Wow. So. I I hope that you also don't experience something yeah. like that ever again. That sounds awful. The breath on the face, especially. Uh, yeah. like Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's invading personal space, not just standing in the room and being ominous, but like. Ugh. Yeah. Don't. Uh-uh. No. And, and also, can I say I love her descriptive words, too, like her dars, like the cold and the clammy and the yeah yes they're both very good at telling the story and making us feel like we're there for (laughs) good or bad (laughs) because yeah that's no yeah that's really spooky um oh yeah i don't blame them for being freaked out so thank you carol and thank you for listening and sending us your stories yeah we appreciate it Now, our last story, uh, I'm going to be telling from memory because I had thought that I had recorded the whole thing with my mom when I went (laughs) to go visit her a couple weeks ago, but my voice recorder only recorded the first 10 minutes and it would leave us in the middle of a sentence, which would be confusing and irritating for everyone. (laughs) So working from my memory, I will probably end up flipping back and forth between my perspective and hers. I should pick one though. Um... I'm going to stick with my perspective, observing what was happening with her. So when I was visiting, she told me a story about when she was little. I'm pretty sure she was seven or eight years old, definitely less than 10. And she was in the same bedroom as one of her brothers. And there was basically activity basically every night that would come in and she was calling them crawly walkers because she couldn't think (gasps) of anything else to describe them. But they were basically, again, out of a horror movie. They were kind of disjointed and walked on all fours and very insect-like was how she described it. And she would feel most every night in the bed next to her was someone who she described as her best friend who would help protect her from the crawly walkers. Oh my God. That was the part that kind of broke my heart a little bit because for most of the nights, I think for years, even she was comforted knowing that he was there and he was looking out for her until one night when she kind of took a deep breath and she looked over at him and he had, he was kind of still in the state of decomposition. Like he didn't look great. And for a kid, especially, that's kind of horrifying. Oh, my God. And what got to her and what stuck with her forever was the look on his face of the fear knowing that she was going to see him and be horrified. (gasps) Oh, my God. And after that, she never saw him again. And it absolutely, it broke her heart and it broke my heart. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's, on one hand, I absolutely understand. Because for a kid to see someone 
yeah. kind of the way the way he appeared to me when she was telling the story was it looked like he died in like a boiler accident or something oh my where gosh. he was like he had the singed skin and mm-hmm. like was just very very damaged which is understandable if you die in something that horrific right right um but she was super super sad because she felt as an adult like she betrayed him by not loving him despite his appearances and oh i'm like gosh. it's three in the morning and you were a child give yourself a little bit of a break and she yeah. refused to give herself a bit of a break and that's where the story came into the the, the modern sense uh-huh. because i realized that as i was able to pick up on what he looked like that he was coming through <gasps> oh wow and so I was able to kind of hold the space for her to apologize to him in Aww. real time and heal a little bit of that relationship. Wow. And like she was absolutely in tears and it was really amazing and beautiful because I, I mean, <laughs> so insight into the way Caitlin's mediumship works, it never occurs to me to question if time and space are relevant when someone starts coming through. <laughs> like, dude's haunting space was in California, several states away. Yeah. Because she's in Texas, too, now. And it was just one of those where it made perfect sense. And I know that she's going to listen to this episode and not believe me, but as much as he was worried about her judging him in the moment when she was a child, he also understood that she was a child and most people are upset by his appearance. And it's just going to take some healing time for, you know, him to be able to move past it and for her to be able to move past it. And basically if there's going to be anything y'all take out of this story is don't always judge yourself harshly for the way you reacted to things as a kid. Yeah. Do better now if you can. Mm-hmm. You know, when you know better, do better kind of thing. Right. Of course. And if you can, try not to judge the spirits on their appearances either. Because they can, much like living people, they can look completely attractive and hide a rotten heart. Or look damaged and not look like something that you would expect, but be the kindest, most gentle people on the planet. Oh, that's beautiful. No, absolutely. Wow. Did she have any, well, she probably didn't because she was little, like any idea, like, did he just find her? Was it a family member? Like, was there any connection at all with him? It didn't feel like a family member. Uh I think, um, this is like a little bit of her talking about him and a little bit of me picking uh-huh. up on things. I think he was just in the area. In the area. Okay. Mm-hmm. And because, like, bless her, she is open to all kinds of stuff. Like, she had to learn how to put up boundaries. Right. Um, as an adult with me yelling at her as a child. <laughs> <laughs> and by that, by yelling, I don't mean, like, actually screaming in anger and fear at my Rah. mother. But, like, the way I yell at you when you're not doing what you're supposed to do. <laughs> yes. Same Lovingly concept. yelling. It's <laughs> Lovingly yelling like, woman, love. you know better. Do yes. the thing. Yes. <laughs> It comes with love. Exactly. So my best guess is that she was basically a little beacon of vulnerable light and he knew what was in the area. So he came through for her. Oh, wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. That's it. Like it was I don't like those crawly things. I don't like those, but I love him. Like That's so sweet. Shame. Like it's very much a and honestly, this is where um, because Hollywood does occasionally live in my brain, but it's not always for <laughs> bad. It's sometimes for good. Uh-huh. I have no idea what random horror movie I walked in on that my cousins or somebody had playing at my grandma's house. Uh-huh. But there was a movie and it was 
there was something there was a guy whose like face was all messed up and there was a like i think a teenager was the one talking to him uh-huh and i was trying to figure out what was going on and the way whoever was describing the movie to me was was like basically the guy she's talking to is on par with casper super friendly super Aww. protective but uh-huh. just looks like he did when he died yeah yeah. And so that lives in my brain, like in the back. And occasionally it comes out in moments like this where sometimes they just look like they did when they died. And that isn't a judgment on them or you for seeing it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and goodness gracious, that'd be that'd be unnerving for an adult, let alone oh, yeah. a kid. Allow yourself to be startled. Just <laughs> look beyond it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, very interesting. Well, I'm so glad she shared that and, and allowed us to share it on the podcast. Yeah, me too. I honestly, I talked to her yesterday on the phone. I'm like, "Do you mind if I share the actual recording?" And she said, "Yeah, no, it's absolutely fine." And then I listened to the recording and realized that it cut off mid sentence. Oh, oh no! <laughs> so unfortunately, we had to go with Caitlin's memory of the <laughs> event rather than other than my mom's actual words yeah well, they're sorry no at least we got the story we got the story yes. and that's important well this has been fun i love hearing other people's stories like i can't wait for our next paranormal day now yeah exactly like we 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 say this every time but for real if y'all have stories to tell us please write them in and if we have too many of them too fast then we will come up with another excuse and not wait for next paranormal day because we love we love hearing your stories and knowing that we're not alone in some of this weirdness (laughs) no i mean yeah if we got enough we could do a listener story episode and just share those so yes we could do it quarterly or monthly or heck alternate every other week if we get enough of them it would be but, a great problem to have so give us this issue to have to figure out would. how we how we use them and when we use write them. in and contribute to this problem please <laughs> absolutely well happy paranormal day everyone i hope you have a spooky good day absolutely and until next time bye bye